Welcome back to Dad's Meat World, your weekly podcast that's dedicated to exploring the ins and outs, ups and downs of Corey, Sean, Topanga, and occasionally crazy older brother Eric from the eyes of two dads who grew up with the show when we were their age. I am dad number one this week, Brett, and with me we have dad number two. Pod Daddy Tyler, right up here. <laughs> yes, Pod Daddy Tyler. <laughs> and this week, we brought in a special guest with us. As the we have, we got some content in this week's episode that directly impacts some teachers. So, uh, Tyler, why don't you introduce our guest we've got with us this week? Yeah, so uh, we we decided that it would be a wise choice, uh, specifically with the stuff going on in this episode, that we needed someone who would be who had knowledge of the inside of what it's like to be in a, a real classroom consistently with uh, young people. And so I asked uh, a good friend of mine. Her name is Sarah, not to be confused with my Sarah. Sarah is a good friend of ours. And my wife and I were talking about the other day, and technically she's now bumped herself up to like best friend of material. So we'll see how Sarah does this week and if that uh, changes or not. <laughs> but Sarah, who are you and what are you doing here? Oh, well, I'm Sarah. Um, I do have one question before I start. I don't have to refer to you as Pod Daddy, do I? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's definitely best friend status, if that's the case. So <laughs> You can just call me by my name is Tyler. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. So I'm Sarah. Um, I was asked to join as the teacher um, aspect of the podcast. I currently teach eighth grade English, which is both um, a wonderful thing and a very trying thing at times, but I love what I do. So Excellent. So have you ever used uh, the Grapes of Wrath in your eighth grade English class? Oh, I have not. In fact, if this was going to be used in curriculum, I bet it would be a high school level book. But I wonder, I, I don't actually know. Um, this might be one of those like banned books that they do now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fact, while we talk, I'm going to Google <laughs> that because I'm curious. All right. Well, uh, while you're talking and Googling, what is uh, your dad your dad's meat world your boy meets world uh history uh when did you discover boy meets world did you grow up on it or is this a, a new oh, discovery yeah. no no i grew up on boy meets world um that was like a show that my sisters and i, I have three other sisters so we grew up watching that together it's something that you know, just a couple of years ago, my husband bought me the entire series um, on DVD so we could reminisce. So I have brushed up on the episode. I watched it just the other day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we grew up. Um, I always thought I was going to have a daughter named Topanga. Still not out of the books yet. You know, <laughs> we still got time to make that happen. But yeah, it was just a childhood, you know, thing that we did. And what would you say is your favorite episode of uh, Boy Meets World? You know, I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I am, I don't have a favorite episode, but I am partial to the college years. I like when they start getting into the heavier topics. Unpopular, but I, I don't, I, I don't fault you for it. I, I don't, I don't I, think I, it's I, that unpopular because I feel like for a certain demographic, like when we truly were, 
were watching it actively it was in those later years so like for me personally i always vision Corey as more the senior and or in college so i think it's That's true. that unpopular <laughs> for the record the grapes of wrath is a banned book uh all right <laughs> so. interesting all right yes I think we might dig into that a little more. We'll see. Yeah, we'll talk more about Grace <laughs> of Wrath uh, during uh, deep dives because we have to. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, last question is: Is there a character that you relate to from the show? Hmm. Boy, I think one of the great things about Boy Meets World is that you can take aspects from each of the characters and collectively see yourself in that role. Like, I would like to think that I have. Topanga's confidence in her ability just to be uniquely and innately herself. Like she doesn't care what anybody else thinks about her. Um, I'd like to think that that's, you know, kind of how I represent myself, at least now that I'm a little bit older. Corey and his know-it-all status definitely have that. Tyler, no comments. <laughs> I'm not saying a word. <laughs> um, Eric's silliness, of course. And even Sean's like, he had a rough upbringing, which I, you know, I'm blessed. I did not have the same um, circumstance, but he has this tenacity to kind of overcome every challenge. And I think that I like to have that about myself too. So I think that's one of the reasons why the show worked so well and continues to work even to this day. Nice. And uh, bonus question. How many episodes of dad's meat world have you listened before Tyler <laughs> twisted your arm to get you on tonight? Oh gosh. <laughs> Well, okay, so I did listen to several of the first uh, couple episodes, but I don't know if Tyler shared with you. We have a little one at home now, um, <laughs> and he takes a lot of time. <laughs> so admittedly, not as many as I'd like to, but we're working. You know, there are plenty of episodes that were released before your baby was in this world. <laughs> no, I understand that. And I listened to some of those. I did. I like the ones that Sarah's on, so I listen to those. Okay, so you did listen to the one of Sarah being on for 12, and then the last, uh, or 21? I think I listened to 12. I guess I, no, no. Yeah, 21 was not too long ago, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you did tell tell me that you did listen to the um, uh, Day with President's Daughter episode. Yes, because I love that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very aggressive episode. Yes, very aggressive, yeah. aggressive magic. <laughs> <laughs> if Sarah's in on it, I'm in on it. That's how it works. Okay. All right. So what I'm hearing works is that Sarah needs to be in more episodes. Got it. Well, if you want to get the female demographic that is me, then yes. No, she is right. <laughs> it is it is a very, very Y chromosome dominated host, but yeah. Well, it's almost we'll like there's only two of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Dad's. Uh, <laughs> it is Dad's Meat World, but yeah. you know. Speaking, we'll speaking do of which, Brett, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay this week. I, I fought off some sickness over the weekend, but I'm I'm back back into it tonight. I'm ready to to dive into Mr. Joe Tyler. How are you? I'm doing good. I just I I want to make a quick comment because it's something I was thinking about before. I wanted to talk about, so I'll, I'll be a little quicker since we introduced Sarah a little sooner than I thought we were going to, but it's okay. Um, you know, Oscars were just last night as of recording. Uh, Brendan Fraser won for Best Actor. 
I feel like it's, it's relevant to this podcast in the sense that Brendan Fraser's true dominance of box office being in a bunch of really big movies was the 90s and then into the early 2000s. And just, you know, I, I appreciate as he's coming back into the fold, just the humbleness that he comes with, you know. It's that humbleness of age mm-hmm. that he has that he probably didn't have when he was younger and, you know, wanting to be all gusto and be in everything and do everything and so just love seeing you know him getting recognized for his hard work and you know it's just nice that uh you know as mr feeney could say you know you learn as you get older you get more and and you go in the right direction and tests are everywhere so and how you do on them (laughs) yeah i was i was very happy to see that and sarah how are you i'm doing great living the life terrific should we uh, get into that synopsis brett we should we should dive right into it so this week we are gonna as as i already mentioned we're gonna dive into the fourth episode of season two me and mr jode in this week's episode this is a uh pick your own adventure synopsis i got for you this week it's an either or Corey and Sean learn a lesson about having something to lose after trying to stage a student walkout in protest of an English literature exam that was supposed to be scrapped. Or, Mr. Turner promises not to test the class if they read The Grapes (laughs) of Wrath. Mr. Feeney insists on more traditional testing methods. When the kids feel they've been duped, Corey and Sean lead the class in a strike, causing management, Mr. Feeney, to take a hard line. You can t- you can pick whichever synopsis you like. Here at Dad's Meat World, we're all about giving you choices, unlike management, Mr. Feeney. Uh, this yeah. episode was written by Jeff Minnell, directed by David Trainer. originally aired October 14th, 1994, and currently enjoys a 7.5 IMDb rating. So... We get to open in the Matthews kitchen, where Corey is surprising Amy... By reading The Grapes of Wrath, and it appears he is toward the end of the book. <laughs> Isn't like the last page? Yes, yeah, he's, he's very near the end. And this, is, uh, this sets up our very first clip of this week's episode. That's a real book. It's a two-pounder. <laughs> and it looks like you're very near the end. Page 582. I am impressed. I'm impressed to the point of who are you? (laughs) And now I'm on 581. You're reading it backwards? Yeah, see, this way I already know what's going to happen, which makes everything that happens before it makes sense. (laughs) What do you think? Pretty good. Not as good as your idea of taking all 30 showers on the first of the month. Yeah, it was too clean in February. Yeah, so Corey thinks he's found a way to beat the system by reading the book from end to beginning. Uh, yes. <laughs> either one of you guys ever tried to uh, tried to read books that way? I will admit that I have on occasion um, purchased a new book and read the last chapter because I needed to know what happened. I know. Wow. I know. Uh, this was particularly the case with the last Harry Potter book. Um, wow. I know. I was so mad at myself, but I just couldn't <laughs> contain it. I, I had to do it. 
Wow. 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 <laughs> no, I've never done that. I don't actually like to read too much. So <laughs> it, if, if I can my brain could not handle starting at the end of the book and working my way forward because it barely handles going from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. So, no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, about the only time I ever would ever do that is I, I used to love the choose your own adventure books. Uh, yeah. And so there are many times I would get through the first one and then I would just start reading all the other endings and try to figure out how I get to the one I like the best. You know, that's fair for our uh, uh, English teacher uh, correspondent. um, How would you feel or about a child or student in your classroom reading the last page first? And would you recommend that to anyone in your classes? Well, you know, I had to chuckle when I listened to this the first time or when I saw this clip again, because I have a whole different perspective right now that I'm an English teacher than I would have, you know, if I watched this back in 94 and, you know, related it to it that way. The English teacher in me, I think at this point, would just be glad that they're reading a page in a book, whether that's the last page (laughs) or first page, I would probably applaud because getting eighth grade boys to read anything is a challenge in and of itself. So so I would just be grateful um, that we were reading at least something, probably not something I'd recommend, but it's a stepping stone, right? So, you know, just got to go with it. Pick and choose your battles is what I've learned. I mean, Sean does admit <laughs> at towards the end of the episode, he did actually read the book. So and that's the I first know. time he's done that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So would, do you yes. also take like one week at a time to do like one book or do you like spread it out a little bit? Like in class? Yeah. Oh, my. Well, I guess that depends on what you're reading. Sometimes um, we do, you know, all of it all at once. Uh, like we just read a drama in class. And so every day we read a, a different scene or act from the drama. But a lot of times if we're doing like novel studies, like all together, you kind of intermingle some activities in there on like character development, theme, things like that. So it takes sometimes several weeks to get through a book, just depending on, you know, the level of the book, the the skill level of the reading for the kids. You know, there's a lot of factors that play in there, but the kids are always encouraged to read independently, which is, you know, something that takes a lot of encouragement <laughs> in order to get them to do so fair, fair, fair. It's really hard to get kids to read in an age where everything is at their fingertips. I mean, really, in all reality, they don't have a lot of um, reading skills necessary with all the technology that they have um, at their disposal. So it's not quite the same as when we were in school. Well, fair. I mean, I prefer to do audiobooks myself. So if I'm right. going to open up a new book, technically, I'm listening to that book. So yeah. And we actually, you know, in all fairness, we encourage that a lot in school for students just to get them, you know, get them to technically read or listen to the text. Um, That is something that we, you know, offer them and encourage them to do. Mm -hmm. It's just do better that way. I do like Amy's reaction to this. That's a real book. Corey goes, it's a two pounder. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you, I did look it up. Uh, Spoiler. It's it's not two pounds. It's like. A pound or <laughs> a pound and a few ounces. So sorry. If you look that up. Of course I looked that up. That's what I do here. 
He gets the clip. That's his one job. And I, yeah, it's, it's like my one job. <laughs> I'm here to bring the funny and the weird information. Love it. So, yeah, so, so Corey's reading. Eric comes running downstairs, and uh, Desiree has uh, something else that she needs. Uh, I believe it's uh, shampoo this yes. time or conditioner, one of the two. And uh, Amy is physically wrestling with him to keep him from leaving the house. And yes. uh, now, I will tell you, Brett. Uh, Sarah does have a teenager. Uh, so, Sarah, could you see yourself wrestling with your teenager to stop him to, you know, go do something dumb? Um, no. I know there's a level <laughs> of comedy in that, but um, he would absolutely not be with anybody, even remotely close to Desiree, over my dead body. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have two teenagers myself at home as well, Sarah. <laughs> and um, I... The older one, no, would not. Um, I don't think Toby would ever be with someone to Desiree's level, but I can see him being willing to uh, subsume a lot of himself to cater to whoever's he's with needs just to be you know, in that servant mode. But I don't see him going this far. <laughs> But I don't see myself wrestling with either one. I don't know. I could see Toby and uh, Kelly tussling. Yeah, uh, and if if it came to Kelly and Toby tussling, he's like almost a foot taller than her, so he'd win. <laughs> yeah. He has yeah, a skinny so boy. Eric pulls, yeah, he's wiry. <laughs> yes. he, Eric pulls a sweet spin move on Amy, runs out, and. Uh, and then we get this lovely gem from Corey. Whenever there's a fight so hungry people can eat, I'll be there. Whenever there's a cop beating up a guy, I'll be there. Boy, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Corey, you're always good for a laugh. Mm -hmm. And we fade to black, end of the cold open. And next, we're in class. Mr. Turner is leading some discussion. And Corey wants to offer an opinion on the book. <laughs> what just happened? Mr. Turner is just as shocked as everyone else. <laughs> Have you ever had that, Sarah, where like a student raises their hand? And you're like, you don't raise your hand here. <laughs> In fact, just today, I had a kid who raised his hand and I said, are you itching your head or are you raising your hand? And he said, I'm raising my hand. And I said, well, I'm dropping dead. I can't. <laughs> And the funniest muscle spasm, Matthews. That's hilarious. The funniest part of all that was he he goes, well, it's not really quite or uh, an answer. I just need to use the bathroom. And I was like, that's right, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so yes, that does happen. Well, at least he didn't disappoint. Yeah, yeah. You know. Stayed in character. <laughs> that's right. I would expect nothing less, and that's okay. Yeah, so Corey actually offers a fairly cogent uh, statement. You know, he's he's put some thought into this. He's he's done the work. He's read. He's he's seen where it ends, and he's got some thoughts on on the the family. And Sean is you know, Mr. Turner's very surprised, very impressed. Sean is disgusted. Corey is a disgrace to the entire back row. You're a disgrace to the entire back row. And yeah. you know, even though Corey doesn't sit in the back row, he's in front of Sean, so 
you know, it's okay. He's spiritually always in the back row. (laughs) (laughs) They do take turns snoring in different classes. So, Mm -hmm. but that's for another season. (laughs) It just, uh, it devolves into a lot of questions about the test after that, the test on the book. Can I ask Sarah, have you ever had any of those moments with your kids where it's just like, that's all they're focused on is the test and what's coming up, what's going to be on the test and when's the test? Yeah, so we just had a big test in in my class um, last Friday. We just read a drama. We read a play. And, you know, one thing that these kids hate more than reading is writing, and uh, which is not good for me being a reading and writing teacher. But they were so <laughs> upset at the fact that I was putting an essay at the end of this test. Little did they know, I kind of pulled a Mr. Turner here, uh, and I had no intention of doing an essay, but I wanted them to do the studying as if they were going to have an essay. So I included it on the study guide and the look of relief on their face. I mean, all week long, it was, are we really going to have this essay? And I was like, of course, why would I put it on the study guide if we weren't going to have an essay, you know? (laughs) And the look of relief on their face when they walked in and I was like, hey, no essay today. And they're like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> kind of stroked my ego a little bit. I liked it. I liked the the gratitude and appreciation, but also, you know, I knew they had done the work. I knew they knew, you know, what they needed to know and they didn't have to, they did a short answer instead of an essay. So we kind of both got what we needed out of that. But yeah, that does happen quite frequently. Awesome. Yeah, I just, I love how frustrated you can see Turner getting of like, why are you guys so focused and worried about this test? Like, I'm worried about you getting the material. And they're like, yes, but the test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's the historical context? <laughs> <laughs> Which page is the historical context on? So in, in educating eighth graders, I don't have an education degree, but... I have two teenagers. I have a third grader. I have worked with a lot of teenagers over the years. And so I've, I've kind of formed my own, uh, my own ideas, my own philosophies around education. But in educating eighth graders, uh, I'd imagine that you would rather you, you're probably more on Mr. Turner's side that you'd rather have them internalized material than just study for the test. Would would I be correct in assuming that, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, and we can get into this a little later if you want, but there's definitely some benefits to the way that Mr. Feeney wants to teach and expects, you know, from Mr. Turner um, that I can mm-hmm. completely relate and understand. However, I am firmly with Mr. Turner just in my own teaching <laughs> philosophies. I think that kids need, like, hands-on learning or, um, you know, something outside of pencil and paper in order to fully grasp the concepts that are being taught. So I 100% agree with Mr. Turner in this scenario. Yeah, I had an uh, experiential education uh, course while in college that really sparked uh, a lot of uh, excitement in me for different forms of education that are outside just simple class learning. And so I've always gravitated towards uh, learning environments that aren't just that simple classroom. Absolutely. So, of course, this a Mr. Turner. Bad time to say that my teaching style is more related to Corey than the other two. <laughs> Because I'm just right now, I'm playing in my head from Girl Meets World when Turner, Superintendent Turner, goes, Matthews, what do you teach him, Mar? He goes, I don't know. I'll probably make it something up. <laughs> like, 
Oh gosh, that I is have, me. <laughs> I have some teacher friends like you, and that's okay. Well, like, okay, so Sunday school, because I, I teach Sunday school, you know, yesterday I had the verse that I wanted to use, but where we were going, I had no idea. All I knew was these are the verses we're using, and wherever we go is where we go. So, you know, you can call that student led learning, which they really encourage nowadays. And when anybody mm. asks you a question, you just go, well, you tell me, what do you think? And you let them mm. kind of take the lesson, make them the teacher when you don't want to do it. I see there. I, I've done that before. And that's that can have some really interesting destinations oh, yeah. if you're not careful. Yes, yes, you're <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, Brett, I know all about that. Annoyingly, a wink. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hmm. Oh, I did that before I even got to Corey there, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. Anywho, uh, yeah, so to the cafeteria. So Mr. Turner, ladies, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Turner's laid down the guidelines. You guys do the work. You open your yap in class discussions. There won't be a test. And so we go to the cafeteria, and it sets up our second clip right here. Your fourth period English class is looking unusually chipper today. Well, you know, it's International Day here in the cafeteria. Not the lights up a young face like a big bowl of hummus. <laughs> that could be. I wonder if it had anything to do with your innovative no-test policy. What? Oh, no, 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 it's not a policy. I just made the kids a deal that if they do the work and learn this book, then I don't need a test on this book. I don't think that's radical thinking, do you? Oh, not at all, Mr. Turner. In fact, why don't we just take off our clothes and run willy-nilly through the woods? <laughs> if my kids know this stuff, then why do I need a test to prove it? Well, how do you determine that they know their stuff, Mr. Turner? Because well, I know my kids, George. I know my dog, but I haven't a clue what he's thinking. <laughs> Well, no. You see, without the test, your students will come into class tomorrow knowing absolutely nothing. Well, call me optimistic, but I think you're wrong. Are you optimistic enough to try your theory? Try how? Try test. Give them the exam tomorrow. And what'll that prove? Well, it'll prove whether they really work when they believe they don't have to. And if they do? Well, then I consider your methods. And if they don't, I'll consider yours. And so there we have it. We've got Mr. Turner with a deal. We've got Mr. Feeney with a deal. Mm -hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah, but you're supposed to have like your actual like grading rubric slash curriculum kind of baseline throughout the school year already, right? I mean, for the most part, you have a general idea of the concepts you need to teach but there is some flexibility with how you do that right but like okay but they would know ahead of time if you plan to do test or not slash you could be told you have to do tests correct mm, yeah i mean i guess um there is some understanding that you have to have we call it summative assessments but that doesn't always include just tests so like you might have to get a certain percentage of your grade book as a summative assessment, but that could include projects, that could include presentations, doesn't always have to mean a test in this day and age. Now, back then, that probably wasn't the case. It was definitely probably more towards, you know, your standard tests and things of that nature. 
Okay. Now remember, mm-hmm. since we are not actually educators, you're the one that's providing the gospel on what is and what's not happening. So if you're wrong, Sarah, then clearly, you know, you speak for all education. Uh-huh. Hey, I just want to preface this by saying I'm a young educator. I am a an education baby. So I definitely have some years uh, to go in, in gaining that wisdom. But from my knowledge, that is the case. Brett, what do you think about... Uh, the the deal that the two of them make i i like the the heart and the spirit of the deal because it Mm -hmm. it really is two different uh two different philosophies of of education at play mr turner wants to show that his students can uh, be responsible enough to to know the material to put the work in to engage with it at a level where they will internalize it Mr. Feeney wants there to be some way to quantify that mm-hmm. and to be able to say, look, okay, yeah, you internalize it. Let's prove it. And so I, you know, it's in a way it's two sides of the same coin. You want to be able to say, yes, you did do the work, but how do you, you know, how, how do you prove it? So I like the challenge. I really do. Mm-hmm. Well, it just it's it shows really well the mentor mentee relationship that the two of them really have, and a mutual respect mm-hmm. for each other. So it does. I always like that. Yes, and so we move on to the Matthews kitchen again. Jason has come over once again. He is being creepy and hitting on Amy Matthews. Yes, a little sexism right off uh, the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Good call, Sarah. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll give this I'll give this one half to the writers because the comments on Baywatch, Betsy Randall actually was uh, did do a guest spot on Baywatch, so this possibly was an inside joke from the writers that you know him talking about her doing a shot on Baywatch. Still, I've 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 been up front on Jason hitting on Amy. I don't. I'm I'm not a fan of it. It's creepy. Um, I'm also not a fan of it. (laughs) Tyler, on the other hand, who took that long? Yep, I'm cool. It is very cringy. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh. Anyway. (laughs) Yes. He's there to get Eric. Yeah, Eric, who is bailing on their basketball game to go with Desiree. My condolences on the loss of your son. (laughs) Thank you, Jason. And in lieu of flowers, please send donations to the Foundation for the Terminally Whipped. Yes, Eric is terminally whipped. Uh, I don't know if we really see that expression used much anymore. I don't hear it a lot anymore. Whipped? No, we we have simps now. Mm. (laughs) Wow, you've got your lingo (laughs) down. I have two teenagers, and they're very shocked when I'm able to use their lingo quite freq- quite accurately. <laughs> oh, I've got to get better at that. My students always stop mid-conversation to ask me if I know what things are, and I'm always so afraid <laughs> of what I'm, you know, being asked. I have to, like, urban dictionary uh, everything. Oh, that's not always the best source. No, it's not, <laughs> but it's, like, my only go-to at this moment, so... I never ask teenagers what they mean. There's just, you're better off not to know. <laughs> I just, always just go, yeah. no, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about, and I'm better off for it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Desiree's given Eric his pager, and it goes off. 
she's in the driveway. She wants something else. And a uh, glass of water. Amy's, oh, yes, glass <laughs> of water. Uh, Amy's solution to break Eric from this trance is to spray water on his crotch, which yes. is hilarious. I love the visual gag. He runs upstairs. Desiree comes in. She has a little back and forth with with Jason, and there's no love lost there. Uh, <laughs> Eric comes down, and uh, there's a towel around his uh, trousers. He does, and uh, actually, I do have some of this clipped out just for fun. Uh, let's. I, I don't remember where I started it, but. Man. Why you are wearing a dish towel in your trousers? Um, see, my, my zipper was hit by lightning, and my mom had to throw water on me to put the fire out. Do you believe me? No. Now do you believe me? <laughs> Eric, come play hoops. I'm throwing you a lifeline here, boy. Take it. Do you play basketball? Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you a little petite? <laughs> okay, that's it. You and me, North against South. Rematch. Come on. Not that accent. You're nothing. You're just a piece. Come on. Are you gonna let him talk to me like that? Are you gonna let her talk to me like that? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Fine. Later. <laughs> afraid you have a decision to make between your little elfin buddy and myself. I am not elfin. <laughs> I am a human being. Uh, I left I left a lot of that in because well, a few reasons. One, Eric is a horrible friend because when Desiree starts throwing her barbs at Jason, his face is just ooh. He's kind of reveling in it. He's not, he's not standing up for his friend at all. This is his friend since, I mean, from time immemorial. But we to, get Jason. To, to quote Corey, <laughs> no, I'm going to make fun of you from now on. <laughs> yes, yes, we know. Once a girl comes in the picture, Eric, all sense goes out the window. Hi, my name is Eric. You may call me Desiree. Um, <laughs> yes. We get Jason's fantastic North against South. You ain't nothing without that accent. You George, come on, you Georgia peach. <laughs> but really, um, Sarah, how old is your teenager? Uh, he's going to be 15 here in a little bit. Okay. I, I have a 15 going on 16 year old and a 12 or a, a 13 going on 14 year old. I don't get the crazy stories that Eric gives here about lightning striking his zipper. <laughs> I get the, huh? Yeah. Really? Yep. <laughs> Do you get the crazy stories that are just kind of like out of there? <laughs> no, no, I do not. I get the same kind of responses. The dumbfounded, like, what are you talking about? Oh, man. <laughs> well, we have to remember that Eric is on a TV show. So he Eric has writers. Is all, like, I will say, I think it's a character. Eric is always good of, okay, well, if you won't believe reality, I'm going to tell you a far-fetched tale similar to the we were retiling the roof and the roof caved in and we landed on your bed. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, I will, yeah. I will tell you real quick, Sarah, that we are on record as Desiree being one of our favorite uh, characters, like, who come and go. And we feel like she's in this show a lot longer and forget that she's in literally the last episode and this episode. <laughs> Oh, so you guys yep. are fans of Just Desiree? Just to. Well, just like of who the character is. Fans of is. the conflict she brings. <clears throat> right. And how, how much she lingers in this season, even though she's only in two episodes. That's interesting because I am greatly opposed to Desiree. <laughs> Not a fan of, of the character as a person. No. Just a fan of the presence the actress brings and the ability that the character has to stir the pot. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fair. If I that can makes sense. That. Well, yeah. and also, this is the first time we see Eric truly going crazy after a girl. This is really the first time, uh, the first, second time we've seen him have a girlfriend around for more than one episode. But the uh-huh. first time we've really seen him be this invested in a girl on screen for more than one episode. Right. But as I mentioned in the in the last episode that we recorded. I've seen this episode, this series forwards, backwards, many, I mean, countless times. And every time through, I forget that she's only in two episodes. She always feels like she's in several episodes. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just that kind of an impression. Right. Well, also, Eric gets a lot of growth through her as well, too. So that also is nice. <laughs> yes, we're back in the glass room. Yeah, Jason's a human being, and we are in English <laughs> class. Mr. Turner is uh, introducing the class to Mr. Feeney's challenge because management wants them to take a survey. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, the class does not respond well, which sets up our next clip. It's a test. No, no, don't think of it as a test. It's a survey. <laughs> survey says test. You gave us your word. I even read the book. <gasps> yeah, my head still hurts. So why don't we just talk about the book like you said? Because I couldn't change the system overnight, Matthews. Come on, work with me here. I'm not taking this test. You can do that? <laughs> I don't know. Good morning, Mr. Turner. Obviously, I was wrong, and your students were so prepared that they managed to finish the test two minutes after the bell has rung. Well, let me grade him, and I'll get back to you. Well, that shouldn't take long, considering that all these papers are blank. I guess that'll kill the curve. <laughs> Do you mean to tell me that your students refuse to take the test? That's the decision they seem to have made. <laughs> Are you out of your mind, ma'am? We had a deal. I gave them the test. Interestingly, they gave it back to me. Well, of course they did, earring boy. <laughs> I realize that all you seventh graders are delicate adolescent flowers, just beginning your high school blooming. And so I say this with utmost sensitivity. Take this test or die. (laughs) Ah, yes. Always good when an administrator ends a threat with death. (laughs) 
Yes. I'm pretty sure that's frowned upon in this time and age. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't think you could get away with that these days. No, not without a few angry phone calls, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I can I can safely say, in the 1994, or the 19, I was going to say 90s, but I, I specified halfway through. In 1994, the administrators at my school very easily could have gotten away with that kind of a sentence yeah. and did. <laughs> and we all were fine with it. <laughs> uh, but you can't do that today. So here we have Earring Boy and Mr. Feeney, which I think is. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I just love that insult. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's funny to me. So... I want to get your thoughts on how the class reacts, Sarah. I, I, I don't know that you've ever had this type of a response where the class was unified like this. But what's your impression of how the class responds to this? Well, you know, again, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I have to say, I just before I even get into your question, that I really, this was like a, one of the points, I love Mr. Turner as a character, But in this moment, um, I lost a little bit of respect from him from a teaching standpoint. You know, as teachers, you have a responsibility to build rapport and build relationships with your students. And that comes with following through. So if he made the promise that there wasn't going to be a test, administrative pressure or not, in my opinion, there should not have been a test. You know, you made a uh, a commitment, you made a, a promise, and your word is very valuable to students. So I kind of feel like I understand why the students got up and walked out. I don't really know what I would do in that situation. <laughs> um, I would probably be pretty <laughs> flabbergasted, but I kind of say good for them because, you know, you do have a responsibility to follow through. And I teach that to my students and why would I teach that to them and not do the same, you know, lead by example? So I don't know. I didn't really care for his decision there. I keep wondering if he just given them a quiz, like a five question quiz, if things would be different or just yeah, anything in front of an them. Assessment. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, it, it might not have mattered regardless because they're asking they are asked to be answered questions that they were told they weren't going to be. So and now with um with education systems being uh, with the with the grading system being set up differently in 1994 uh because we've we've mentioned before on the podcast here as well that this show was created and broadcast in a you know we're talking 30 years ago and from the conversation at the lunch table it's it's clear that a test free assessment discussion is probably not something that's already on the books that Turner possibly promised to the class before he okayed it with the higher ups. If that were something that were to happen in a classroom where you were teaching, if you were to offer that type of uh, situation and you found out that you weren't able to, would you go along with Turner's plan or would you try and I don't know how's the, how's the expression I want to use. Would you try to buffer it anymore? I think there are loopholes there. Um, so for the, you know, I'll give the little educational, you know, spiel here. There are big differences between the way Mr. Turner wants to evaluate their understanding 
and the way Mr. Feeney does. And both of them have benefits. Mm -hmm. If you look at Mr. Feeney's aspect, he wants a paper assessment. He wants a test, which is important because that can help from an educational standpoint. It helps us determine any knowledge gaps that they might have um, that then in turn help us prioritize like instructional strategies that we might need to use to kind of bridge those gaps. And it also helps show us individual student strengths and, you know, targeted areas where, you know, students might have some weakness that we need to go back and, and re-teach. So I understand the aspect of collecting data from an assessment that Mr. Feeney wants. On the flip side of that, though, tests don't always show. It's very hard to evaluate creativity or problem solving or critical thinking on a pencil paper kind of test. They don't always help students retain information. Um, in fact, if you don't know the answer to a test, what do you guys do? You guess, right? So sometimes <laughs> that data is even skewed because you've made guesses. And I have a lot of really good guessers in my classes right now. So it's hard to say, you know, what they even are learning. So I guess if I were in that position, I would find a loophole in that you can still get the level of assessment that Mr. Feeney wants without giving a test. And I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things that I love doing each year is my students read Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> we read that through, wonderful short story. I could give them a paper assessment afterwards. Absolutely, I could. But instead, I have them dress up like lawyers and they present a mock trial and they they use text evidence to show that they understand what the text is saying to determine whether the narrator is clinically insane or a mastermind murderer. And they love it. They eat it up. I still get the data that you know shows me that the students understood the content. I still see that level of understanding, but they didn't have to sit down and take a test. So if Mr. Feeney came to me and said, you know, you need to give them a test. All right, I'll give them a test, but you didn't specify it had to be a paper pencil kind of test. So I guess that's kind of where I would go. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, I, I'll start there. But I will say that's why I like the ending comment with the conversation that they have later on. So we'll get there eventually. But um, I just <laughs> I love one thing I have to say before we move forward is that when Corey hands the test back and says, I'm not taking it, just the, he turns around, just has this look on his face of like, did I just do that? <laughs> Am I allowed to do that? Like, what is going to happen now? Is, can you do that? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Ah, yes. The class parades out. Oh, yeah. I can learn a lot from you, George. <laughs> Shut up. It's always good to hear Mr. Feeney just tell someone to shut up or get out of my face. <laughs> it just happens so rarely. It's just, it's delicious. <laughs> we fade to black. We come back for act two. Mr. Turner's in a, he's uh, amused about everything that's going on. And we get this, this lovely gem of him trying to explain to Mr. Feeney. Because if I had done to me what I did to them, then I'd have done the same thing to me that they did. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Feeney's response is just as gold. Go to the board and diagram that sentence. As, as an English teacher, Sarah, can you diagram that sentence of Mr. Turner's? <laughs> <laughs> no, I cannot. That is not something that I... <laughs> grammar is not my thing. 
diagramming sentences, man, I'd have to learn how to do that before I taught it. So no, no, I could not. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I had done to them what I did to them, then I would have done the same thing to me they did. <laughs> It's pretty self-explanatory. If, if I had if done I to me what I did to them, then I'd have done the same thing to me that they did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, if I was a student and I was told no test and then there's a test in front of me, I probably would have done that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Mr. Turner is very he's just very amused this whole time. He's kind of just reveling in it and. He's just very amused watching it all play out. And Mr. Feeney is, uh, he believes that their defiance is draining and that they're, they're just about ready to come crawling back. And uh, in the cafeteria, <laughs> they're going to go uh, give them a taste of management. Cave? We're going to cave? <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we go to the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> we go to the cafeteria. And um, Corey is trying to lead the, this. We're kings. We want steak. We don't want mashed potato. Or we don't want macaroni. macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> what do we want with our steak? Macaroni. Macaroni. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Turner tries to do the if I had done to them again. <laughs> and <laughs> but it's it's at this point, Brett, that we have to admit. If they would have just kind of let them be, they were running out of steam. Like, yeah, they made this grand declaration of we're going to walk out of here. But honestly, like, it's only going to take a few more minutes for them to be like, so we're just kind of wasting time and not being in class right now. And then eventually they'd go back. (laughs) Within 15 minutes, I think they would have run out of steam yeah. um, but mr feeney being being who he is i don't think he wanted to let the situation run out of steam i think he wants too much order for that <laughs> do you have clips starting at this is your warden speaking Oh, I I do have that. And we're going to pick up a clip here. Please, I have been an educator for 35 years. I think I know how to relate to my students. All right, this is your warden speaking. So, you want to play rough with George Feeney? (laughs) Fine. We'll take off the gloves. Uh Uh-oh. The seventh grade dance is hereby canceled. You can't do that. I can do whatever I want. I have the megaphone. (laughs) Here's a doozy. The entire football season. Oh, no. Canceled. But but, but that means... Yes, Mr. Hunter. No cheerleaders. (laughs) (laughs) Sean! It's a strike. We have to make sacrifices. <laughs> He's taking my girls. Why, why can't we just sacrifice you? Sean's not in it for the long haul. <laughs> no. Everyone's everyone's got a weak point, and Mr. Feeney definitely knows where Sean's is. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, this is probably one of my f- top five favorite uh, Feeney and Sean interactions. Just Feeney knows exactly <laughs> what to say to break Sean, and it's just perfect. And Sean's reaction to it is just incredible. No cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Mr. Feeney's not a without girl. mercy. Insult her. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Feeney's not without mercy. One minute window of amnesty starting 55 seconds ago. Everyone can go back to class. Yeah. That's called counting to three to my child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've used I've used the starting five seconds ago with mine at times. And Corey is going to have one last ditch effort. Because up to this point, it's just been forming a union, even though he used the term strike with Sean. But now they, they can't punish the seventh grade if there is no seventh grade. So they're on strike. And he's trying to walk out of the school with just Sean. No one with them. And no, I didn't clip the song. Um, That's okay. Just he and Sean walk out of school. Everyone else uh, is, is back Is in anybody class. behind you, my Sean? <laughs> I gotta tell you, there's no one with us. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Feeney turns over the class to Mr. Turner. Mr. Turner, I now return you your students, sadder but wiser. What about Matthews and Hunter? Uh, for those two, I shall have to go nuclear. And that would mean? I shall call their mommies. Yes, the nuclear option. <laughs> We switch over very briefly. Eric and Jason talk about the basketball game. Jason wants an answer from Eric about the next game. Is he going to show or not? Desiree appears, and she's very clearly making Eric make this choice once and for all. Her or Jason, she wants that. There's a new mall right across from the old mall. On Thursday, I want you to take me over there since you're playing. Bad. I really slipped into a Larry the Cable Guy southern accent it's there. It's kind of sound a little more get her done. <laughs> want you to get her done on thursday eric uh <laughs> but he finally stands up to desiree so uh kudos to eric there for finally standing up and and showing his loyalty to his friends and, and thursday's uh, clearly the only day that she can go to the mall Oh, yes. Clearly the only day she can go to the mall. And uh, and so he's been her her, her willing slave for the last, what, month? And mm -hmm. uh, doing all this stuff for her. What was he ever going to get out of it? And they have this very Hollywood movie kiss. Oh. <laughs> Goodbye. And forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> and that's clearly... Uh, that's clearly TV. Yeah. But I, okay, we do have to take a moment to say if you're dating someone and they actively are trying to control the things you're doing and not allowing you to spend time with people, that is not a healthy relationship and you should stay out of that. Definitely. As parents, as people who are married, as people who have dated successfully and unsuccessfully, if you're dating someone who is cutting you off from pre-existing friends, it's not a good, healthy relationship. Uh -huh. Unless those friends were idiots who were about to get caught and jailed. Yeah. Oh, hey, here's a fun question for you, Sarah. Um <laughs> Do you ever catch people making out in the hallway and do you just let them make out or do you stop them? Oh boy, I cannot. This is like a PG family uh, podcast. 
And I could I could tell you stories, Tyler. I could tell you stories that would just make your skin crawl. But I'll just leave it to you. <laughs> yes. That has happened on uh, from the beginning, we have called ourselves a family-friendly podcast, and the second episode of season two, we had to start operating under the assumption, if you're willing to watch the episode with your kids, then you're able to watch, you're able to listen mm-hmm. with you're, the, your kids or let them listen, right. because you're willing to let them the listen second to us episode talk about the was <laughs> all about kids making out in the hallways. So. Yeah. We we just had a we had a um oh gosh in the play we are reading the diary of Anne Frank it's a drama uh, the drama version mm-hmm. and Anne Frank shares a kiss with Peter Van Dan and one of the students was like ugh gross and I co-teach in that class and my co-teacher was like you know everyone in this room has either kissed somebody or is thinking about it so <laughs> you know just let's move on. <laughs> She's not wrong. That's the eighth grade mentality. So, mm-hmm. oh, poor Anne Frank. <laughs> it's a really good book. It's a really good play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just sorry I thought about that because we were talking about that in the second episode of would a school really let the people do that? And we were like, no, there's no way. So, anywho, we can continue moving forward. So Corey and Sean are sitting on the couch at home watching the news. Uh, all that's on the news is what uh, some bomb or something. And there's no reports about their walkout story time. <laughs> so real quick, um, <laughs> I didn't ever walk out of school and or class. <laughs> I may have almost started a riot, though, in a class once. <laughs> um, I say Brett's very much aware of the story because he was around at the time. I was just mostly telling you, Sarah, and then the collective audience, whoever you know is listening. Um, so <laughs> in eleventh grade uh, last year, PSSAs, uh, I was a part of that initial. We're gonna add the science thing to it, so that way you know you don't have a choice; you have to do the science. It's not gonna be a part of the assessment. It's just the you know. It's something that we're trying out this year. And I, well, first of all, I was already annoyed because they, that's also the year they split up all the PSSA <laughs> testing. Instead of doing like one miserable week, we had like four separate miserable weeks. And so like by the time we got to that last week, I was over it. And so when I got another <laughs> test, I literally just went through and just marked on as many of them as I could and just flipped over the thing and said, <laughs> done. And my teacher, <laughs> who I'm very appreciative because we had a very long conversation after all this, but she goes, so did you even try at all? And I'm like, no, I think this is kind of dumb and it's ridiculous. And... The next thing that happened was another girl goes, yeah, this is dumb and we shouldn't have to do this. And then (laughs) everyone else in the class said, this is really dumb and we shouldn't have to do this. And then people started yelling and saying a lot of words that they shouldn't be saying. And I'm just sitting there like, 
I didn't want to start a riot. I just didn't want to take the dumb test. Tyler, I am shocked. I didn't know you had it in you. So I then had to go have a conversation with the principal. I bet you did. uh, Because he was like, so I heard you started a riot. And I'm like, I wasn't trying to. I just have no desire to take this test. And he was like, well, regardless, you have no choice. This is a requirement. And I was like, okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> I did get grounded, and oh, uh, okay, okay, hold on though. <laughs> my grounding was not uh, from my phone, TV, or anything like that. It was I wasn't allowed to go to church activities for a whole week. Yep. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I'm just like no I'm just completely shocked. That is so uncharacteristic of you. It's uncharacteristic for me to go, I don't want to do this. And then other people say, yeah, me too. <laughs> no, it's uncharacteristic of you to kind of go against the rules. Oh, Sarah, you need to get to know me better. <laughs> I mean, I mean and, though, it just surprises me that you've incited a riot. I just I was, I didn't know you had it in you. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> Where were you on January 6th? Hmm. I was driving a now school bus. Now we know bus. why Tyler likes Corey so much. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I had to rebel in order for people to notice me. So you did end up having to take the test, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah, yeah I had to take the dumb PSA testings. And uh, Okay, for, for starters, <laughs> I never liked the testings because it always took me forever because I'm dyslexic. And so I like... Uh, I just... I always hated it no matter what I did. And so the fact that I had to do like four weeks of it instead of just the one miserable week, I was just exhausted. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. This is dumb. Well, you know why? I mean, this is getting off topic a little bit, but you know why they make you do PSSAs, right? Yeah. So they can get money out of us. Yeah. It's all about the funding that they get. <laughs> well, but that's my complaint with tests and also the standardized tests is that the you teach for the test, you teach so that way they can do the things but not actually like learn things and that always bothers me oh i am i am so with you on that um i don't i don't like the standardized testing but that's a it's like daylight thought. savings it's been forced upon us and we have to deal with it oh <laughs> daylight savings Okay, before we get too far off the rails there. <laughs> yes, nothing so, about in the uh, news about their walkout, you know. Uh, Alan and Amy come in. Mr. Turner, or uh, Mr. Feeney has gone nuclear and has called them. And Mr. Turner shows up at the door, helmet in hand, introduces himself. Uh, he has a helmet because he falls off the desk a lot. Yep, it's our and, first uh, Turner at the Matthews House appearance. Yes. And uh, I did clip. I initially clipped like two and a half minutes of that, but it felt like a long, uh, a long segment. So we'll pick up partway through it here. Mr. Turner, all we did was read the grapes of wrath. And you know what we learned? You have to fight for your rights. That's why we went on strike. And that's why we're in trouble. That'll teach me to read a book. <laughs> so I guess this is what happens when the little guys try to stand up to the bosses, huh? No, let me straighten you out, Matthews. You threw a hissy fit and you walked out. We went on strike. No, you didn't go on strike because you didn't have the one thing you need to go on strike. You know what you didn't have? Mob connections. <laughs> a job. You're just kids. You're in school. Your parents make you lunch. You're not a migrant farm worker picking grapes. 
Okay, you're just kids. You sleep on sheets with little dinosaurs. <laughs> Rocket ships. <laughs> Look, I messed up too. I should have taught you that you can only take action if you're prepared to take responsibility for those actions. Mr. Turner, put yourself in our position. If you had done to you what we had done... No, I've been there. <laughs> Look, you're just two kids playing way over their heads. Okay, now you can decide that you're still students and get back in school where you're sheltered and protected and abide by the rules that go with that. Or you can go out into the real world and get an immediate test called find a job or starve. Now you want to take that test or you want to take his? I think that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, yeah, Sarah, I'm, I'll put this to you because you had already brought up that you didn't like how Mr. Turner kind of uh, went back on his promise when he made the deal with Mr. Feeney. What do, what do you think about Mr. Turner uh, leveling with Corey and Sean here and, and confessing to them that he failed them in this situation? No, I think owning up to it is the way to go. You know, when you break a promise or you don't follow through on you know, what you have said you're going to do, I think leveling with them and saying, you know, I was wrong. I made a mistake. Um, This is why we have to do this. I think that's important. I think that's important for them to hear. It's important for them to hear that we're, you know, only human too. We make mistakes. And, you know, maybe in that way, they kind of gain a little bit of understanding for the reasons, you know, to have to take the test. Yeah. I I really appreciate that. It shows, um, it shows a lot, especially at that point. Um, looking back at that point, I can remember as a seventh grader, I don't remember a whole lot of adults at that point in my life who would admit when they were wrong yeah. or had made a mistake. And so uh, my wife and I are very, we're very intentional about uh, trying to make sure that when we make a mistake with our kids that we own up to it with them because we had seen a lot of times where adults in our lives would not do that for us. Absolutely. And so when, when I see Mr. Turner here or other times throughout the series where we'll see adults who will own up to mistakes that they made, it really connects with me. And so this moment really connects with me on that level here. Agreed. I think it's better than I mean, we've all heard it, the adult, especially growing up. Why do I have to do this? Well, because I said so. <laughs> and I just think that there's a, a level there where you get to talk to the kids and, you know, not only apologize, but explain your reasoning so that they understand. I think that's really important. That's an important component to the apology. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a, a great thing to have. Well, there's also the differences of levels of, of who you're talking to, because like, my five-year-old is in that age range right now where he'll just ask why a hundred times in a row about the same thing. <laughs> and eventually I do have to just go, because, honey, be- just because, okay? And he goes, okay. <laughs> and it's like... Uh, there is a uh, time for it. <laughs> right. But like, you know, with teenagers, like they do want you to explain things. They do want a deeper understanding of things. Uh, it does go a long way for any realm working with teenagers that they know that you're going to make mistakes and you are just as human as they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause keen, teenagers are, they're, they're keen. They're, they are very quick to know that 
adults are not perfect and they make mistakes. They're also very quick to call you out when you don't know the answer. <laughs> Man, I've learned that one or two times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, and so Mr. I, Turner, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I just I love the dynamic of Mr. Turner and Alan Matthews together. Because where Feeney mm-hmm. and, and Alan kind of have this tendency to clash with one another, it's almost mm-hmm. like Mr. Turner is almost not identical to, but it's almost like the education version of Alan Matthews. Yeah, and in age range, you know, Alan kind of falls between Feeney and Turner, so it's it's Turner's kind of looks up to Alan a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Alan kind of looks up to Feeney in that that age graph there. So, yep, I'm looking forward to some more of that that Turner and Alan stuff over the next couple of seasons. Oh yeah. So, Mr. Turner continues talking about you know Mr. Feeney's not always going to be there, and then he turns around and he sees Mr. Feeney out the side door. And <laughs> you got a principal living next door. It's not something we brag about. <laughs> so. He walks outside. Yeah, Mr. Fina, I didn't know you lived next door to Matthews. It's not something I brag about. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he sets up this conversation between Corey, Sean, and Mr. Feeney, and we'll listen into a little bit of it. Well, we learned you're supposed to fight back against what you think is unfair. And that's the parallel you drew from the Jode family? <laughs> they were out in the real world, and they knew they had something big to fight for. And how do the Jodes relate to you? I guess they don't. I mean, we're just kids. Yeah, we're not really out in the world yet. If they had nothing to eat, nowhere to live. All they knew is that they deserved a decent wage. And all we know is nothing. (laughs) And wherever there's a guy who don't know nothing, I'll be there. (laughs) Well said. From the book, I actually read it. (laughs) I believe you did, and I'll take that into consideration. That'll be all. You can go. Well, Mr. Turner, I must admit, they sound as if they actually know the material. Yeah, and we found that out without giving them a test. Oh? You don't call what they just went through a test? I'd call it a learning experience, Mr. Feeney. Thank you. Yes, well, that's what we're here for. Yes, and so the conclusion of the wager between Mr. Feeney and Mr. Turner. Was it a test? Is learning experience just a euphemism for test? It's a way to say test without saying you were right, Mr. Feeney. <laughs> because that certainly was a test. I would agree. It definitely was a test. They definitely proved that they read the material, that they uh, that they interacted with it, and that they understood that they were not the Jodes. Well, and it, again, it comes back to this relationship that the two of them have, and that they can look at something very differently but yet are still seeing it as a great opportunity um and definitely the guys learned something and i think that's all they cared about yeah i agree they saw some level of understanding um 
which is a test. (laughs) (laughs) So would you call that student-led learning? (laughs) I would indeed, which is very encouraged in today's day and age. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I will say that Feeney is always teaching, even if he's not teaching, is the way that I've kind of viewed it at this point through our podcast, is that he is always trying to get them to learn something new, even if it's not the material, it's about them improving and gaining something. Mm-hmm. And Feeney can clearly see that they are actually reflecting upon the material and understanding their life better. I think that's why I was kind of surprised by this episode. Not so much when I watched it when I was younger, but when I rewatched it just the other day, in preparation for tonight, I was surprised that he was so determined to make them take a test. When, like you said, Tyler, he's always trying to teach them and to get them to understand things. So I didn't understand. It just seemed bizarre to me that he was so focused on that, that test. Well, I will say that from the first season, the amount of times that he pushes the students to see if they could get better grades or push put Corey in situations to see what he will learn to see if he's actually paying attention and learning the material and then showing that, hey, you do know it. You got this grade. You did a good job. And, you know, Corey getting an A in geography is an, as good as getting a plaque saying that he was a good teacher. Yeah. So, but again... One could argue, just like in the previous episode, that Feeney knows who he is. And yes, as the administrator, this is what he has to do. But as his next door neighbor and his teacher, he knows this boy very well. That's true. He's playing 4D chess, probably the best way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) And then we close out the episode with Eric and Jason in the school hallway. Our final scene with Desiree. Yes, Jason can't play basketball. He's a little busy. He's a little too small. He's holding the back. The pager goes off. Somehow, even though he's a little elfin and petite, Desiree has decided to make him her willing slave. But he's only in it for the goodbye kiss. And then we go to black. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... It kind of seems like Desiree will take whoever is willing to do whatever she asks that her them to do. So, I think we all knew a Desiree back in our day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tyler was a Desiree. I was <laughs> <Tyler>. not. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. I can see that for sure. That, wow, slander! Slander is what's happening right now. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Nah, Tyler wasn't a Desiree. Tyler was Eric. Yeah. No, Tyler was Corey causing riots in class. He was just a riot. Tyler was Corey causing riots in class. I would say, no, honest to goodness, I am Corey because at times in high school, I would have (laughs) these moments of like being really good with the girls and not understanding, how come this is this case? And then someone had to explain it to me of like, you're unavailable. Girls are more attracted to you. Like, where were they when I wasn't, (laughs) when I was available? (laughs) 
So, Tyler, that wraps up the episode. Do you have any deep dives for us? I don't know. I don't know if I want to give you guys any deep dives on how mean you've been to me this episode. I feel like if you see put if it can... out there on, on a podcast, you kind of opened <laughs> yourself up. <laughs> if Let me you see want to hit my can, music. Uh, I'll see if I can pull it up here. People, 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 people. Am I the only one who read the summer reading list? All right. <laughs> we'll start with The Grapes of Wrath, written by John Steenbeck. It was originally released April 14th, 1939. American realistic novel. It actually won the National Book Award and the Pulitzer Prize for fiction and is cited actually part of a Nobel Peace Prize in 1962. Interesting. They went over the plot really well, so I'll need to cover that. Unions. We talked a lot about unions. So for those of you who are a little bit younger that don't understand, unions are a very important part of uh, the job force. Unions were created in the United States roughly in 1935 just to kind of help with making sure that uh, people are getting paid properly and it's on the workers to have said union in order to force uh, management to sometimes do the right thing. I almost was a part of a union when I was driving... uh, for Coach USA, because the one garage I was a part of has a union, but other garages didn't have a union. I don't understand it. But more importantly, the uh, Pennsylvania State Education Association, that is the union that Pennsylvania teachers and the professionals that are at the schools that are all involved in making uh, lives better for the students are all technically a part of this, because there's someone that I know who she is considered an aide, and so I asked her, hey, are you technically a part of the the teachers union and she said yes because it envelops not just teachers but all people that are part of the education system and since we have someone here is also an educator are you also a part of this union i am indeed wonderful congratulations Well, thank you. Uh, We have talked a little bit about teachers union and things like, you know, teachers having time off, you know, for sicknesses and whatnot, because Corey and Sean want to make sure that Feeney was aware that he has, you know, paid sick time and he he can take it any time. It's a little harder for teachers to take off, though. Yeah. It's almost more work than than just coming to school. So let's talk about pagers and beepers. Invented in 1921 in, uh, it was originally came out in the uh, Detroit Police Department, but didn't uh, become a part of the telephone system that we understood it until 1949. Motorola was the first, like was like the big company that really made it into a global product. And they introduced in 1964, the page boy one. And so in the eighties, there was about 3.2 million pagers uh, used worldwide. And then by 1994, there was about 61 million pagers and beepers nationwide. And that's also around the time they were able to start sending messages. So Eric has one of those pagers that is able to accept messages and all that jazz. And it's pink. Yes, and it's pink. But as we are very much well aware at this point, pagers and beepers have basically gone extinct because... We have smartphones. Smartphones can handle both the text messages and also the very quick notifications that need to come out. Annoyingly, you know, schools do robocalls. When you're waiting in line at a restaurant, you can get a text message saying your table's ready. And even 
I know a lot of times when you go to hospitals still, they don't want you to use your cell phones, but it wouldn't surprise me someday if it's just, you know, hey, we'll text you when you're ready for your appointment. So I mean, you also get text messages saying, hey, your appointment is, you know, a couple days away. Please confirm. I always miss those. This is the part that I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist <laughs> because I noticed something watching this episode today. And I'll have to send you pictures eventually. I noticed today that in the Matthews kitchen, there are placemats. And there's four placemats for four people, four seats at their table. Now, we know, because we've been watching the show, that there's five people in that household. So their main table that they sit at for meals has four chairs at that at it with four placemats. Now, uh, I went back through and watched the previous episodes where they were in the kitchen, and throughout each of the three episodes, I saw a placemat and four seats. I go back to the first season, and what do I find, Brett and Sarah? What do you find? Five. No placemats. I bring this up because in my head, in my conspiracyist brain, in this going down this rabbit hole, I think they knew they were going to be getting rid of Morgan and, and moving away from her. So they wanted to have that easy, smooth transition and have it uh, have you almost forget about her for many episodes until she finally returns anew. Because I don't think she comes back at this point. I could be wrong, and you could definitely tell me right away if I'm wrong, but she's not in this episode. She was in the last episode, but she's not in this one. I would have to look. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. I could have looked that up, but I do know that they, be, just in the background, that they were aware that she was starting to become unhappy and not wanting to be around. So there's a strong chance that she, they were ready to move on from her. I mean, they could have done what Family Matters did and just completely write out uh, her character. She's credited through the end of the season, so... Well, she may be credited in this episode, but she's not in it. <laughs> yeah, she's credited, but I would have to watch other episodes to remember for sure. Well, we'll keep track. We'll have a, our Morgan tracker for this season. because Morgan watch. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the last scene she was in, she was going, weenie, weenie, I can read. I can read. <laughs> but that's all I have, because there's not a good answer for where did the placemats come from? I don't have it, and we've gone too long at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hit my other fun little... You know anything about the Odyssey? Huh? Did I say you could talk? I didn't teach you that. My friend Mr. Matthews will lead the discussion. Do I have to draw you a picture? What did you learn, Tyler? <laughs> well, uh, in the level of adulthood, I think one of the things that I learned this week is just being willing to be flexible and to test out my thoughts and ideas compared to other people and understanding that sometimes I'm not always going to have the right answer and that's okay. And be willing to admit when I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. What did you learn, Brent? Uh, I learned that uh, it's very important to be open and honest, especially if you have students or children, especially if you've made changes to a plan that you've made with them and that extends beyond the classroom i i have two teenagers i've set up front i have a younger one and 
there are times that we've need to make changes and to plans that have already been made. And sometimes we could get away with not explaining why, but it's, it's always better to explain why. And it's, it's more edifying to them to do so. Sarah, did this less, did this episode teach you anything? Mr. Feeney or Mr. Uh, Turner, give you any lessons? I think it's just a good reminder that, you know, from an educational standpoint, that there are benefits to all sorts of different types of assessment. Um, and when it comes to our students, you know, it's really important for us as educators to find assessments to test their knowledge based on, you know, their strengths and weaknesses and, and being able to understand and collaborate with your mentors or your administration. Um, just being in that collaborative mindset is really important. Excellent. Very solid. Yeah. Let's give this episode a grade. I gave it a B for myself. Missing a lot of parent interaction from Alan and Amy, but a lot of good stuff from Feeney and Turner. And uh, you know, there's some, you know, some stuff to weigh it down a little bit just in how they set some of the stuff up. But I really like how uh, those last few minutes of the episode turned out with everyone being able to learn and to grow and to learn a lesson in in a non-traditional sense. Tyler, what do you grade this episode? I want to see what Sarah graded at first. If she was oh, willing man. to give a grade. Well, what's, what's the criteria here? If like, whatever I... criteria you want to be, Sarah. Because I'm going to be really honest. <laughs> um, unpopular opinion again, but I'm giving it like a C minus. Uh -huh. I feel like... Um, it just, it wasn't like my favorite. And while I really like the camaraderie between Mr. Turner and Mr. Feeney and kind of, I felt like it was more about what they learned. And I remember not really connecting with it as much when I was younger because it was more of an adult, you know, learning curve than it was about the kids. And so I think that kind of is a, a turn away for me a little bit. And also I really despise the whole Eric Jason Desiree thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that really kind of uh, sets the tone for me. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, if you, if you listen to the ones with Sarah in it, you know that Tyler and I have had some really big disagreements on letter grades in at least one or two episodes. Well, good. Then I don't feel <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and again, it's whatever your experience is with it. So, yeah. and everyone, none of us are critics here. We're like, we're just here to talk about it and have fun. Um, <laughs> which leads to my grade. And I'm going to have to, unfortunately, I don't want to, but I got to give this episode an A plus. What? Really? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, here's why. As an adult watching this episode, especially as a parent uh, and someone who interacts with teenagers, it's a very fine line you walk to both keep their trust, but also be an authority figure. And I appreciated both Turner and Feeney and their attempt to have order, but also you know, help get their student to students to where they need to go. And I know there wasn't a lot of Alan and Amy in this episode, but when we had them, they were spectacular. And in particular, just, uh, I, 
you know, last season we talked a lot about how, you know, well, Allen really wouldn't come in and just be like, this is what's happening and, and how dare you do this. But, you know, with them getting older, sometimes Allen has to take that approach a little faster of you broke this rule at school. Do you think that was okay? And just, you know, being much more direct with him. And it's almost a little more what he needs than him trying to sit him down and be like, hey, buddy, you know, I think you know what you did was wrong, right? Um, And knowing the character of Al Matthews, I think off screen that would happen, especially not with Sean around. But yeah, I just, I love this episode. And also, it's probably one of the first, like, taking into account of of Eric with Desiree, of him finally kind of sticking up for himself and, and trying to, he was willing to let himself you know, basically played for a fool, but when someone forced him into a corner to make a decision, he made the choice that was going to make him happiest, um, which is to not do whatever he was told. And so for that growth for him, I think is spectacular. Does he fall back? Of course he does. Cause he's a teenage boy and this is a TV show. TV show has the TV show, but on, on the whole of all the episodes we've watched this so far this season, this is an A plus episode for me. That was such a thorough explanation, Tyler. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think it was great. Sometimes I start talking. I'm like, where am I going with this? I don't know, but I think I'm on the right path. <laughs> no, I relate with a lot of what you said. And I think there is something to be said about, you know, I think that's one of the joys of Boy Meets World is that you can watch it as a kid. And which is where kind of my letter grade came in. Mm-hmm. But you can also get a lot out of the episodes as an adult and it's a different kind of life lesson which is what Mm -hmm. you took away Mm -hmm. um so i think that's great i think that's awesome right i mean i have no doubt that if when my five-year-old watches it all he remembers oh this is the funny episode where Corey and sean act silly and they start dancing in class and they walk out yeah you know (laughs) and i think that's okay so one of the best parts about this thing is that you know we we do reflect on what it was like when we were watching as a kid but also what are we seeing it as an adult and brett brett tends to take the approach also of parenting of of what can we learn from this parenting wise and and kind of a lot of his great (laughs) skews towards that way which is where a lot of our fights tend to come Mm -hmm. from because i'm like but the episode was great and he's like but what did we learn from the parents i'm like we don't have to always learn stuff from the parents (laughs) No, we don't have to. I just choose to. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear it from Alan. That's who I want to hear it from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, just to tie a bow on this thing, I have a dad joke for you both. And, Wonderful. Uh, I picked this one since uh, since we have a teacher on board. It's it's about math teachers. So uh, oh, good. I'm oh, not boo. making fun of you as an English teacher. Oh, I didn't want to make fun of an English teacher. I just didn't know what kind of teacher we had. (laughs) (laughs) So did you hear that old math teachers never die? They just lose some of their functions. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) And with that, we have finished episode four of season two. Yes, we have. As I vamp looking for my outro music to play underneath of us.
because there it is. There it is. Well, thank you, Sarah, for coming on. We appreciate it. We're going to have to have you come back on again because getting your perspective was awesome. Oh, thank you. Yes, it was. We enjoyed having you on. We would love to have you back anytime. Anytime. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Good. Yes. And your husband's also allowed to come on whenever he's ready to. I'm sure there's a storyline that he wants to talk about. All right. If you insist. I mean, he is a dad. We always want more dad opinions. Oh, oh also, yes. we're always forget, open to more dad opinions. Congratulations. You're our first non-family member to be on the podcast. Yay. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes. And uh, Tyler, I think we owe her a shirt or something. I think we do. <laughs> oh, I would proudly wear that. <laughs> would you proudly I, wear the uh, pod daddy? <laughs> Uh, that might take some more convincing. We have other designs. <laughs> um, Sarah, is there anywhere online that uh, you want to invite people to stalk you or, or, or just here on the podcast? Oh, here on the podcast is fine. I have some students uh, out there who try very hard to find me, um, but I will I not be found. I fought as much. Yes, I will not be found. That's fair. All right. Well, good-looking people at home, you can find us online on social media at Dad's Meat World. You can email us at dadsmeatworld at gmail.com. And you can find some Dadalicious swag. Um, I, I don't know who made me say that. I, I don't know. You at did. Dad's Meat World at threadless.com. Something's off the rails. We need to go. If you can have Pod Daddy, I can come up with Dadalicious. So oh my god. Next time. Good looking people. I'll see ya. Bye good looking. Bye good looking. You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios. Tell your story. Now, uh, as uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta spin up. Hold on. <laughs> oh, we've lost Tyler. Pod <laughs> Daddy really got Pod Daddy down. Pod Daddy down. This is definitely oh. making the bloopers after the episode. <laughs> oh.